Iron Man versus the Captain, Tony Stark versus Steve Rogers. More determined than ever to reclaim his technology, Iron Man, with the help of Jim Rhodes, breaks into the vault and disarms the guardsmen, causing a mass supervillain breakout. Surely Stark wouldn't fight his oldest friend just to meet his own goals. Of course he would. I'm Eddie Webb. <laughs> and I'm Chris Fivey. And today we're going to talk about Stark Wars Chapter 4 here on Speechless. Hello and welcome to episode four of Speechless, where we're going through the Stark Wars slash Armor Wars comic arc. And this is this is a good one. This, this is one of my favorite kind of turning points of this arc. This is why I'm here, actually. I've been waiting for this in the next issues to pop up. And actually, I was going to ask you, since you're a little more familiar with Captain America in this era than I am, do you want to kind of give... We saw last episode that he just started showing up. So I mean, we talked about the status quo of him, but like you give me a little more context of like uh, uh, why he's in the state he's in. Like I know he gave up his identity or was forced to give up his identity. Is there like other stuff going on? Do we know? Should we know about? Or? Wow, you caught me totally off guard. I'm trying to remember this one because he's given up his identity a couple times, and because like, he, he wasn't rogue, not rogue, Renegade. nomad, nomad, one of those. Yes, though I would like to see Steven Rogue Rogue's costume. <laughs> I think he would still kill it. I wouldn't say no. (laughs) Uh, But I think this one is because they wanted him to commit some some actions that he didn't he didn't agree to, okay, and he refused, and that's why we get a U.S. agent John Walker coming in to replace him, and he sort of steps away. And this time, he uses a one of his better costumes. Actually, I kind of want this costume to have been in the MCU, and it's a. A great look for him, and it keeps like those privateer swashbuckly boots, which Cap mm-hmm. should always have. I love this era of like the mid to late 80s because, like, you can kind of see the edginess of the 90s on the horizon, but it still has stuff like those boots, you know, like so they're not quite, not quite there yet. We're not some pouches and guns, but you can kind of start to see what the trajectory of it, you know. <laughs> I think it was Adam X late nineties or early two thousands with like the blades on everything. Oh God, yes, and like his blood is acid and, and oh. the the half Summers brother. <laughs> oh, the Summers brothers! I, I at one point, I, I mean, I would I would joke about pitching an X thing, but honestly, a that would take a million episodes, and B Frank James do it better. But they're doing they they got three hundred episodes under their belt, and they're still having quite explain everything. <laughs> so, well, the X, trying to explain the X-Men is like trying to explain Doctor Who continue, um, oh, as God, a solid, yeah. coherent story. Impossible. Yes, yes. Uh, but this is a solid, coherent story, so let's get into it. Uh, so, uh, Chapter 4, Who Guards the Guardsmen? And I haven't been doing this, uh, but uh, the plot in the script is by David uh, Michelini. Uh, layouts are by Mark D. Bright. Uh, the plot and finished art is by Bob Layton. Letters by Janice Chang. Colors by Bob Sharon. And the editor is Mark Greenwald, uh, who uh, also is, I believe at this time, actually is the uh, Captain America writer. Uh, so it makes sense to get there's overlap here. Uh, so kind of picking up from where we left last time, um, we see uh, the Captain, not Captain America, uh, he is testing out this new shield that uh, Tony has made. Uh, it is completely featureless. It's just a, a, a shiny reflective shield. Um, he's throwing it against the wall. It bounces back, and he catches it. Uh, and 
he made a comment about like it's a couple of millimeters off, but that's kind of I'll, I'll hand out with the breaking in period. But Steve Rogers is really pleased with with the, the makeup of the shield. Can we don't we stop and take a minute? Sure. And note that Tony made that shield in less than three days. No, I'm sorry. Yes. Steve contacted him yesterday. The three days is another comment in the future. He made that shield in about a day. <laughs> yes. You know the shield that like nobody's been able to replicate? I can make something that's pretty close to it in 24 hours in between my moments of, you know, mild treason against the U.S. So then why why doesn't he make an arsenal of them? Because there's no technology, so it's okay if the government has them, and give that to the government. And Steve, prior to being becoming the captain, could have trained an entire squad of elite shield slash government shield wielding agents. Shield agents with shields. <laughs> I had to do it because something, something vibranium, something. This is definitely the era where everything is made of vibranium, but everyone also complains about how rare vibranium is. Yeah, even though like the uh, like one of the throwaway lines in like Fantastic Four of this era was like the entire building is reinforced with vibranium, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, it's, it's just to challenge is giving the stuff away. Anyway. Um, yeah, so, so we recap kind of Tony uh, uh, feeling bad about having to not quite manipulate Steve, but certain like it's great that this guy owes me a favor because I may need to call that favor in because I'm going over, I'm going against uh, a U.S. military uh, installation. Uh, and then uh, basically kind of recaps the next couple pages, kind of recap the story that was, we ended on last time that he got the note. Uh, uh, Steve shows up uh, in the most impenetrable of disguises, a trench coat, which Chris on the discord has confirmed is in fact an impenetrable disguise in the Marvel universe. You, you got me because I was showing my daughter the X-Men animated cartoon and it had the X-Men in the mall and Beast, sans hat, just trench coat, <laughs> blue furred Beast walking around the mall unaccosted with the rest of the X-Men. And I had to go. Trench coats are, in fact, the ultimate disguise. <laughs> and, and much like Beast, it's like the trench coat's just hanging open. You can see the red, white, and black <laughs> uniform. It, it, it's, it's not even subtle. It's just, I'll take my mask off and wear a trench coat. It's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, so the flashback ends. Um, uh, uh, Steve's thanking him for the shield. Uh, Tony says, keep it on a permanent trial basis, no charge. Um, and Steve's like, I can't. But but Tony points out that if word gets out that you, the shield was made here, that will give my help my company. Because, again, we, we didn't talk about this much in the past couple episodes, but the status quo is that Stark Enterprises is a brand new company that Tony had to build from the ground up because he lost control of Stark International. Can I ask a question now? Sure. So Steve doesn't want to take the shield for free. How is Steve going to pay for it? <laughs> you know, installments. I, <laughs> I was listening to Comic Drake this morning. Uh-huh. Uh, a great YouTube channel that talks about comics and the guy's name is Drake Kent's the comic Drake. Um, and the one I w- clicked on to was about vibranium and the price of vibranium. I think he said like one, it was stated by Reed Richards. One gram is worth $10,000 mm-hmm. per gram. So wow. what, what, uh, what year's economy, what year's money? Uh, I think this was like a 1970, maybe 1990s comic. Whew, so that's like maybe, 15 grand now. <laughs> so how is Steve? We I think he still has his government soldier salary gonna pay for that. 
or his Avenger salary. I think the Avengers paid what was it back then? Was it two thousand dollars a week or something? <laughs> and I mean, this I mean, he's he's not even a comic book artist anymore, and we know how well they get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, deep covers Captain America fans. Uh, but this actually leads into one of my, speaking of money, one of my favorite gags um, is uh, they part. Uh, Tony drives around in what looks like a Lord golf cart, uh, but it's an electrical cart. So kind of, you know, early Elon Musk electric cars. Uh, and he gets a call from his uh, lawyer because we, this, this thread of the lawsuits going in the background, which I actually still kind of love this detail. <laughs> Um, and so they talk about Stiltman's case because Stiltman <laughs> is the crux of this story for some reason. Uh, and it's like, oh, cool. We've settled out of court. That's terrific. And it goes, how much? Oh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony Stark had to pay an undisclosed large amount of money to Stiltman <laughs> for correctly oh. beating him up in the middle of the street <laughs> without cause. <laughs> That is why Spider-Man doesn't work for anyone because Peter pa- Peter Parker's greatest enemy is poverty. So there's no way that he could have paid for Stiltman to have that lawsuit. Right? Uh, so um, Rhodey's testing um, uh, a jet, which was a, a nice touch because it's one thing that you don't see very much of Jim Rhodes' era. Is that he's actually a pilot. That, that's kind of his was his job originally. He was a test pilot. Um, so he's testing on a new pilot thing. Um, and he's like, Hey, can come talk? Uh, and, um, but do you, it's also interesting to see that not only to pilot, it looks like he might have a little bit of a tech skill mm-hmm. because Tony True. specifically points out that we'll let your team handle this one and sort of implying instead of you. Right. So that's a nice touch like pilot, um, security guard, techie mm-hmm. and trusted confidant. That's like a solid combination for a second. Yeah, no, I mean. Birdie, I, I, I definitely, I've always felt like is an underappreciated character, not even supporting character. I mean, just he's, he's a really cool character. They just don't think he's utilized enough. Uh, but uh, they're talking about the vault, which is the kind of super jail for villains. And uh, when Obadiah Stane took over uh, Stark International, uh, he mass produced uh, a suit of armor that Tony developed called the Guardsman, uh, basically to make effectively power suits for uh, prison guards. And uh, he's like, the guardsmen themselves aren't evil, but if a supervillain broke out and got hands on the guardsmen technology, they can use it for evil hands. I want you to remember that point that Tony is acknowledging that if a supervillain were to escape and get their hands on this, this could be bad, but they're currently incarcerated. <laughs> That that is that is a lot of weight to support that theory. I am glad that Iron Man armor is so strong. <laughs> so, um, so uh, Tony has a plan where um, it's like, hey, last time since no one really knows that I am also Iron Man, except for most of the superhero community, but most of the people in this institution don't know that. So, kind of the current plan is to use the same plan they used last issue, which is that we'll go to. Shield or go to the the um, vault and say, "Hey, I'll give you advice and suggestions on this, and then you know Iron Man can kind of come in and, and cause problems, and then keep those two separate." Can I point so, out that mm-hmm. for such a smart person, Tony is incredibly naive in this plan because you've got to assume Fury has to think something is up based on their last interaction. 
Right. And now to go in and to try to execute the exact same plan that will have the exact same results. How does he think at all that will not be linked back to him and people deducing that he is either A, working with Iron Man or B, is Iron Man? So on the one hand, I completely agree with you. And, and I think it's interesting that they paint Tony as kind of more of an intellectual thinker than an emotional thinker. Um, he's not very emotionally intelligent, but he is, uh, uh, you know, he, he's good at you know, building stuff and scientific stuff. And so from a scientific perspective, it's like this thing got this result. So if I do the exact same thing, the same result. So it is naive to be able to say, well, you know, uh, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, Fury won't come back and, and say anything. Uh, on the other hand, as we saw last issue, Fury is the worst spy in the world. <laughs> so Tony may have a valid point. He doesn't, but maybe he does. I, I, I hold out hope for Nick. I, I, I have to. Even <laughs> pre-Sam Jackson, Nick Fury from the 70s was a badass. No, I agree. I agree. He, he, he Frankly, he is too often written as just plot dumb, right? It's like he, he is dumb for reasons of plot. Um, whereas this is the same guy who I think around the same period also completely deduced Thor's alter ego and tricked him into getting to his car. <laughs> So, I mean, Nick is smart when he needs to be and dumb when he needs to be. It's just the nature of this era of writing him deadly. Uh, so they go to uh, – Arodi and uh, Tony go to a diner, and they're just trading stories. Um, and at one point in time – the diner is nearby where the vault is. Uh, and, it, and Tony sees Steve sitting there. And Steve, to counterpoint Nick Fury, I, I do like the fact that Steve Rogers has consistently written – as a certain kind of intelligent. It's like, uh, uh, sometimes he's naive about modern culture, which makes sense. He's, you know, come from a different time period. Um, and sometimes uh, he is a little too trusting, which again, makes sense for the character, but he's tactical. And so he basically shows up and it's like, I'm, I'm still, I'm not Captain America. I'm still an American. I know what happened with S.H.I.E.L.D. because I talked to Nick Fury and it's not hard to put together that you'd be going after the guardsman next. And it's like, and, and this part of me that's like, actually, it would be pretty hard to come up with that. I mean, that's, that's a pretty strong leap. But I also, it very much plays off like, I know how Tony thinks, which I, which I felt landed really well as a scene. Yeah. I also love that this scene plays on so many multiple levels. Mm -hmm. It's because he talked to Fury. He didn't tell Fury who Iron Man is. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is he didn't stop Tony right here in the restaurant where he could have easily. Right. Because he's hoping Tony will make the right decision. Spoiler, Tony does not make the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes back to the reason I love Captain America and when Cap is written right is always exceptional. A lot of people view Captain America just as sort of as a government tool and like a something that is only concerned about the government. And that is mm -hmm. never who Captain America was mm -hmm. when written badly it is. Captain America is a symbol of the people and always has always worked to the betterment of people over governments yeah. because that's what he believes in. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely a good example of this. I mean, like th this character could not be more diametrically opposite of like Mark Millar ultimates Captain America, right? Which is much more what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I genuinely love, I, it's been a long time coming. I have very recently come to very much love this version of steve rogers in the comics because um a slight digression mm -hmm. which i i am not at all known for digressions um no 
I've heard a lot of people discuss and argue the points about the Civil War run where Tony sort of becomes like the government pawn and Steve is like for all the freedom fighters mm -hmm. and people. And I've heard a lot of people say that it should have been Tony. That was the person leading like no. the rebellion versus the government and Steve being like a tool for the government. And that's so wrong. It's just mm -hmm. like a superficial look at a character without going into their history, their actions and like this 30, 40 years of history they've had beforehand. Right. Um, I mean, because also if you think about it, like just look at their actions. I mean, and I'm even willing to just just take the MCU as, as evidence of this, right? Um, although I think it does go in all the comics too. Uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, Steve Rogers is with other Americans in the mud, in the muck, trying to do the hard work. He sees, he comes from Brooklyn, he sees what the little guy does, and that's the person he's fighting for. Tony generally hangs out with generals and CEOs. He's even though he's not making weapons, he is still part of the military industrial complex. So of course he's going to side with them because not even taking the money and the the uh, less altruistic uh, motives out of this equation, that's still how he thinks. He, he even says it in one of the movies, like you know he wants to build a shield around the planet. So he thinks in terms of large-scale weaponry and that kind of infrastructure. He's going to side with that because that's how he's wired. Captain America is sides with people making a difference because that is all he knows, and that is what he consistently does. So I have never once bought into that argument. And I would even go so far to say I think this arc is a better microcosm for that ideological schism than either the movie or the comic Civil War because I feel like this is what should, Civil War should have been in either of those cases was this yeah. arc uh, but a little bit ahead of ourselves um, so they're back to Stark Enterprises um, uh, again great Rhodey line it's funny I, as I read this I more and more appreciate Jim, Jim Rhodes as a character I've always liked him but like I did not realize how much he is the glue of this story because he's sitting there going like, I don't know why the chief changed his plan um but i'm sure there's some reason uh he's calling up the the blueprints of the the vaults from the avengers database where's my gun oil <laughs> <laughs> and it's like i'm sure tony's got a plan let me just get my guns ready and i'm just like you're gonna shoot everybody jim Rhodes. <laughs> and i kind of love you for that oh god um, but Tony is, in fact, uh, uh, breaking into. Well, he's he's downloading the files, but he's, he's planning to basically just break into uh, the the jail because, again, uh, there was no panel where Tony's like, maybe I won't do this. No, it was just we're doing this. Do you remember when the vault becomes the raft? I believe it happens. Is that before uh, the two thousand five New Avengers with? Oh, I forgot his name now. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot his name. But before the 2000 New Avengers run? I, I, I think it was right around there um, uh, because I believe the vault gets torn apart in a later Avengers run, like late 90s. Okay. Because uh, there, there was a whole art, and immediately the scenario I'm fuzzy on, uh, but there was a point where the um, uh, brother, not the brother of evil. Uh, Bendis! Oh! No, no. The, 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 Michael um, Bendis, Sorry. Right, right. Michael Benz, that was it. Yeah, yeah. That was the Michael Benz. No, it was before that. Um, but it was the um, other organization. Uh, uh, Masters of Evil, that was it. Um, Masters of Evil actually infiltrated uh, Avengers Mansion for a few issues. And I think as part of that, they also uh, tore apart the vault. I could be misremembering that, but uh, the raft was built as a new version of the vault at one point. Okay. 
Uh, it may also have been 30 Thunderbolts. I don't remember. The 90s were kind of a blur. <laughs> in more ways than one. Uh, so, um, Tony looks over the blueprints, comes up with a plan, uh, and he says, you know, Murdy, have you ever heard of a Trojan horse? Uh, and we get to a plot point that exists. <laughs> um, so, uh, the, I'm gonna, the next two pages are a setup and then a twist, but it makes more sense to explain the twist before I explain the setup. Um, Jim Rhodes dresses up as Electra. And uh, causes a huge scene in the middle of Denver uh, so that the guardsmen can show up and arrest Electro. Electro has a half mask and Electro is white. So Jim Rhodes wears white face as part of the story. I, I'm, I'm bothered by this on multiple different levels that I will not go into here. Instead, I will point out another simple fact. This is mm-hmm. the one I wanted to bring up. Tony Stark built a fully operational mimicking suit of Electro's powers in three days. Yeah, yeah. Three days. Yep. So I go back to why doesn't he do this and like sell out that technology or just like make his own Avengers that all have Electro. And for people that don't know Electro, he shoots electrical energy and can travel through on electrical wires until he became pure electricity and then could travel through electrical wires and as a Spider-Man villain. Right. He, he is not a character with a power suit. Tony has built a power suit to replicate this character's powers. Um, in, in defense of why Tony doesn't do this, he is defeated by a net. So maybe not his best work. It, it is a special electro-stopping net. How many people are going to have that just hanging out? You know what? I think today we'll bring out the electro-stopping net. I don't know why. <laughs> it's it's like an electro day for some reason. Oh, there he is. I actually imagine the guardsmen have like just different boxes of the different known villains. And it's just like, oh, look, it's Stilt Man. Let's pull out the Stilt Man box. Okay, there's the grease on the ground. Boom. There we go. Grab him. <laughs> oh, but he has a power of lawyers, so I would be afraid of it. <laughs> he clearly does. Um, okay, so as they uh, drag um, Electro in, they put him into a uh, a cell um, where there is an energy door. It's based on his particular pro- power profile, and someone correctly says, "Why don't we have metal bars?" And the answer is because he would melt them. It's like, okay, but why can't you have metal bars and the electric fields at the same time? Because what happens is they leave, Rody takes off the suit and just walks out because there are no metal bars. I think we're starting to see maybe why the vault didn't last as long. So then it's based off of like the biological aspects, his uh, metabolism. So why does Rody take off the electro suit? The electro suit? He doesn't have Electro's metabolism. He, he, he does make a comment that the, the suit makes him extremely uncomfortable, and I do not blame him. <laughs> I guess it's it, – all right. It's the, the player in me for when I'm playing a role-playing game. Right. I would the, not want to give up my super-powered suit in a base full of armored opponents. Counterpoint, he has a gun. <laughs> <laughs> True. We have established they're like high-explosive <laughs> nuclear warhead bullets or something. <laughs> That shield's like, it's fine. You can have that. (laughs) Your gyroscopic (laughs) pistol. Uh, 
So uh, Tony Stark is hiding outside, and and this is again an amazing panel of um, he's 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 behind uh, one of the ventilation shafts, which is kind of carved into the side of the mountain, um, and he's hiding behind a bush in his Iron Man armor with his helmet off. <laughs> Master of subtlety. Uh, but basically, um, he's waiting for the actual uh, defenses of the shaft to shut down. So, uh, Rhodey goes in. Uh, he's given a diagram. He goes to a certain console, punches in some stuff. Uh, defenses go down. Uh, Tony puts his helmet on and flies in. And we see right behind him is Steve Rogers in full uniform with the shield following after him. So, this is where I have a problem. This is where you have a problem? <laughs> I let a lot of other stuff go. But this is a problem that is, is not offensive to me personally. <laughs> but me as a reader. So Cap is a super cool soldier, spy, and stealthy. And you see he's back there in tactical. Right. He knows that Tony has now pretty much broken that trust they had. Why wouldn't he, I don't know, fling the shield, knock Tony out because Tony's not wearing a helmet. So, okay, I will very mildly defend Steve on this um, because he is always been kind of presented as a character of like, waiting to the last damn moment and in the hopes that someone will change their mind. It's like, you know, if you walk away now, we'll forget this ever happened. So I think in the back of his head, he's still like, if he just flies in and turns around and flies back out, or yes, he's doing something else that maybe I don't have the full context of. I don't want to interrupt that. Maybe there's, there's a piece I'm missing. Um, so I, I do kind of see that, but also, uh, I do think like if you're wearing the Iron Man armor and you're waiting for defenses to go down, I think you can imply a certain amount of nefarious intent there. And and tactically, I, I love Cap, but Cap fighting Iron Man in full armor is ninety eight percent of the time not going to go Cap's way. Right. Yeah. So I so I can see the balance of hit him now, but before the tactical situation changes, as opposed to I want to think the best of of Tony, even though he's never actually proven that to be good. Uh, so, um, uh, the, the plan that Tony has is actually pretty interesting, uh, is that, uh, he's going to fill the, um, uh, place with a colorless odorless gas known as PC2, uh, that knocks people unconscious. And it's, it's something that he's worked with before, specifically it's, it's a lot of government installations in case of invasion. Uh, and that's, it was, it's a throwaway line, but I think it's an interesting point, like, the Marvel comics starting to reflect these things happen often enough that we're starting to put procedures in place. It's like places like this tend to get invaded by aliens or supervillains or whatnot. So maybe we should put some rudimentary defenses in now. So it, it was an interesting kind of note of like the Marvel universe kind of evolving to recognize the status quo it actually lives in. Um, and then it's the, the guardsmen have a 30 minute air supply. So basically they're going to, uh, uh, all of the non-guardsmen will be knocked unconscious and therefore out of the fight. So we can just focus on the, the, the armored people and then some of them are not going to be in their suits. So we kind of just take those out with the packs right away, leaving whichever ones happen to be around. Uh, Steve Rogers knows that uh, the area is gassed. Um, and again, this is, I do love Cap, but it's the people are collapsing, must be gassed. It immediately goes, it's PC2. <laughs> and starts to grab it. and like on the one hand it's like I, I recognize okay there are government installations maybe you were briefed on this but like it seems like an unnecessary step people are falling must be gas whichever well, one is, <laughs> is irrelevant 
It could have could be the way they're falling. We don't know. Cap may have slightly enhanced senses. Maybe he doesn't because I, I remember reading the bio, but he could. <laughs> it might have noticed it. Uh, so he does uh, find a gas mask, puts it on, so he's taken care of. Um, uh, Rody has a bag of the uh, um, disruptor packs, and she just goes to effectively the locker room, uh, which has a nice big charging unit in it, but also just a whole bunch of lockers with the guardsmen uniforms, and so she's putting them on one at a time. Uh, one of them turns out to actually have a person in it and attacks Rody. Uh, and then, so we cut to uh, Iron Man, who is the more obvious uh, opponent. Um, so four guardsmen actually come out to attack him. Uh, he puts the pack on one of them, who immediately falls, of course, because the, the uh, circuitry is fused. Uh, and the rest are like, you know, uh, you got Baker, blast him. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, and Tony marks out that their pulsars are weaker than his. They probably won't hurt him, but he can't just be sure. And so he releases this massive giant uh, repulsor blast a big shrack and just knocks that, it against the wall. That is a, an image I remember from childhood of seeing that. Mm-hmm. That is how powerful that blast looked. And then you see them like slamming into the wall too. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it's funny because like this, this arc was for me kind of my formative experience with Iron Man. And so for years, I always thought Iron Man's repulsors were like these massively powerful weapons because of this arc. And like it's, Rarely in any other arc does, does Tony, it's usually a special weapon, but his repulsors are kind of just, you know, generic pew, pew, pew weapons. And so it's always weird to me to see like repulsors kind of just not very powerful. And it was kind of nice that at least in Iron Man 1 movie, um, repulsors were positioned as being kind of decently powerful weapons. Because I think for me, I always remember the Unibeam was supposedly like his most powerful thing that would like yeah. sort of shoot out of the chest was like this big, massive Voltron-esque blast. But that was also last resort because I was drawing from the power that Powered his heart. Yeah. Which again, love that. Um, and then we read to um, one of two moments that I'm sure was not intended as a retcon, but kind of feels like a retcon uh, because they're crumpled. One guy's uh, uh, hanging from a cord on the wall, like around his neck. <laughs> and Tony's like, they're only unconscious. He's just looking at them. He's not taking their armor off to check their vitals. He just looks at them and goes, yep, they're unconscious. And he just walks away. And I'm like, you know that they might be dead. I'm going to say, I, I, I know what they're, they're trying to tell us in, in some of the texts, but if the, we've seen the packs, they fuse armor almost instantly and it gets mm-hmm. rid of all the power and everything in it. If their eye and mouth slits are sealed and they only have a 30 minute air supply and there's no power or anything to release those slits, they've effectively suffocated every single person in their armor. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and then we cut to uh, Rhodey pulling out a gun. Again, gyrojet gun. Uh, I, I love this thing. It's amazing. Uh, so he points it at the guardsman. Guardsman's like, what are you going to do? Shoot me with bullets? Uh, and he's like, yeah, no, it's not going to do you. And turns and shoots the recharging generator and jumps out of the way as it explodes. Uh, and then afterwards, it's like uh, a Tony's uh, or energy charge is, is uh, catching him dead on. Uh, but he'll be after me soon. He doesn't actually come after Rhodey. So again, I think Rhodey killed that guy. <laughs> no, no, he does come after him. Oh, does, does he later? Oh, yeah, right. no, you're right. I'm sorry. The no, 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 no. The other thing that he did during that scene. That, yeah, yeah, right, that's what he just did. All right. Um, so he runs by a couple of the um, supervillains 
uh, Mr. Hyde in Titania. Shout out uh, to Titania. Yes, Titania Star of <laughs> She-Hulk. Um, and again, they are just in laser beam bars because why have metal bars in this prison? Uh, and they're like, you know, we'll, this disruption will take our advantage here soon. I will point out one thing, though. Now mm-hmm. that we're reading through it, I do like the idea of the laser beam bars, although they should sell real bars anyway, but better than the concept that they use for X-Men and having like these neutralizing colors that steal all their powers. No, that I agree with because it's always like generic neutralizer, even though everyone's wildly different. Whereas this one, they're like, yeah. no, each, each cell is programmed for a specific person. I actually really do like that. You're right. Uh so uh, we got back to Iron Man. Um, more guardsmen uh, ambush him. Uh, he mentions that uh, there was a flaw in the original suit of armor that Sonics caused him to lock up. So he puts out Sonics and then they all attack him. And he goes, well, that was worth a try. <laughs> <laughs> Knocks them away. Um, so it, it gets down to punching. Tony punches uh, a bunch of guardsmen through walls. And of course, all the time he's like, this hurts me more than it hurts them. And it's like, no, no, I'm sure they're pretty hurt, Tony. It goes uh, back. I want to touch again on the brutality that yes. Iron Man is dishing out throughout this entire series. Yeah, no, he's, again, he's just like, he tried all the clever tricks, they didn't work, and now he's just down to brutalizing people. Uh, so then we get to the other part. Um, where uh, uh, So when he gets in an elevator, uh, the guy who he knocked out is coming after him. Uh, the elevator's going up. Uh, the guardsman shoots into the shaft with his repulsor beam. <laughs> And uh, Rudy's like, well, shit. So he climbs out of the top. Uh, got a couple of air, minutes of air left. Uh, Billy needs a couple seconds to kill me. So he shoots the top of the elevator as the guardsman is flying up. The elevator is coming back down top speed, slams him into the bottom of the elevator shaft. And Rudy says, probably ain't hurt because <laughs> that armor. Like, no, that dude, that dude is dead. That dude is it, straight up dead. <laughs> I think looking at the image, it fell about eight or nine stories at that speed. Yeah. Yes. That's. I know how falling damage works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, um, uh, Brody's climbing up the, uh, the staircase inside the elevator shaft, which is also weirdly massive, but, you know, whatever, sci-fi tech building. <laughs> Um, we cut back to Iron Man, who uses uh, variator rays, whatever those are, uh, to magnetize two of the suits together. Um, uh, and then he uses a tractor beam to uh, throw one guy through a concrete wall <laughs> while he uh, uses a concentrated heat lens to ignite the fuel supply in the boot jets. So, I mean, again, Tony's <laughs> just Vicious. not being subtle anymore. Uh, and. And we get to what genuinely is a cool moment is um, last one. Tony's like, you know, make it easy for yourself, retire or, or step down. And the guardsman's like, I'm not a hero, but I'm not a traitor. You're going to have to, I'm not going to fight you, but you have to take me. And Tony's about to. So he's like, all right. Um, and then uh, Cap throws uh, the shield. Uh, and this is a great line of like, the guardsman's like, Cap, uh, I mean you. And then Tony just in a really small word balloon goes, you. As he sees Steve coming towards him, it's, just a, it's a small moment, but it's a great moment uh, where the, the the government employee wants to say his name, realizes he's not allowed to anymore, and then Tony kind of recognizing, yeah, I knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. He's not happy about it. Uh, so the captain says that the armor is under his protection because it's vital to national security, uh, and of course Tony's like, I, I can't let the armor survive, and the guardsman's air supply runs out, and he starts choking. 
And Cap's like, take your armor off. I'll protect you. And I can't. It's my, I, it's my duty. I, 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 can't, I can't shirk my duty. And Cap's like, your death won't prove anything. Uh, and so Cap's like, you know, this is what I would do in that circumstance. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I feel his pain. So he goes to take off the guardsman's helmet so he can breathe. And Tony takes advantage and shocks Cap unconscious. Uh, he goes to put the pack onto the guardsmen, but they lock eyes and they both know what's happened here. Um, and the, the, the caption is great. No words are spoken. None are needed for both men know that a bond has been broken today. A bond as old as their friendship, as deep as their innermost thoughts, a dear and precious link that may never be whole again. And it is, but that moment felt more real to me than either of the civil wars that I talked about before about the, the civil war thing. I feel like because both men's actions brought them to this point and it wasn't some big world spanning, you know, we have yeah. to this is, force like, no, no, these are two very personal decisions that led to this break. Great. Like it is, it was a great moment and it is, goes back to this indicative of caps behavior and who cap is, which he would give up that fight to save that person, which mm-hmm. as much as I didn't like the end of civil war, it ended with the exact same way. Cap looking around and seeing the devastation and choosing the harder road and standing down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and this, this, uh, neither man is happy about this, but also both of them realize that they know where this road leads. Uh, and then we get to the epilogue where I go back to the pin I asked you to put in earlier in the episode, uh, where the power surge caused by the fight has caused uh, the generator to shut down. All of the guardsmen are incapacitated or out or totally not dead, completely alive. Uh, And so the maintenance crew is trying to get things back online, and they see that all of the certain of the cells, Titania and Mr. Hyde's cell particularly, are empty. So oh no, supervillains have escaped and now have access to Tony Stark's technology, which is just lying around the place. <laughs> well, I, I will point out all of his technology should be inert, though. That's true. That's true. But if he felt responsible for all the people that his armor may or may not have hurt, he should then feel responsible for every single action those villains take. Right. Mm-hmm. And at best they would hope that those villains didn't then go and kill all the guardsmen who had kept them in prison as right. a super villain likely would. Right. Exactly. Uh, so, um, uh, so this story actually will continue not in Iron Man, but in Captain America three, three, nine. So that's going to be the next issue we cover. Uh, but before I get into that, what did you think of this issue? Uh, I love this issue. This is the the issue that made me go back and buy the other Iron Man issues for this because as a kid, because I never, I didn't collect Iron Man. I may have had like one or two random issues, mm-hmm. but when I saw a cap on the cover fighting Iron Man, I bought it and I read it and I liked it. So then I ran back to the comic shop to buy the other issues that happened before it. It's funny, like the reverse happened for me um, because when I saw Cap in this, I wanted to find out how he got to the state he was in. And so I tried to find earlier issues of Captain America and it was actually really hard for me to do so. So like, it was actually quite a long time before I, I got to know the story, but then Marvel's putting, start putting out these amazing epic collections and they have one that's basically just 
pretty much this entire run. Uh, they've had the Iron Man issues that bookend is in there as well to help with the flow. Um, but it's everything from when he loses his uniform all the way through. Uh, so, and, and it was like, Oh, I finally know the side of the story. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, it's funny. Cause like th- that's the point of these crossovers is always to, to kind of sell the other comics. But historically I have found the big, huge crossovers never do that for me, but these small ones where it's like, we're just going to tie in just one comic, like for one or two issues generally work a lot better. And this was a great example because the, the crossover didn't feel forced at all. It felt like a very natural outgrowth of both men's stories. And uh, I'm looking forward to jumping over to Captain America next time. Yeah, because while the big crossovers are great to draw many attention, and they may sell well, but they're not good long-term for sales because they don't give you a chance to delve into the characters. And right. then for those delving moments, they might say, hey, go read these comics instead, in addition to this that we're selling you. And that mm-hmm. doesn't really work for people. I know... Growing up on a budget, I didn't have the money to be able to buy like your main event, then like these six other sub books for these characters yep. to find out what's going on. So then I wouldn't just buy the main event. Right. Whereas in this one, um, the, this this slightly older style of crossover, which I love, is that even if you never bought another Captain America issue, as an Iron Man fan, you learn everything you know about Steve Rogers in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really great recap. And I glanced at the Captain America issue before the one we're going to cover. And it basically does the same thing. It, it kind of recaps from Steve's perspective, the uh, him getting the shields and all that. So, I mean, you will end up reading chunks of this three times. If you have all the issues, that's a downside of this kind of style of writing is because it assumes you will have all the issues. You want to fill things in as opposed to now where it's like, it's so easy to get those missing issues in some way that they just don't bother. Um, so I appreciate the recap, even if it does require me going through usually a few pages. Like, yeah, I know all this stuff. I know all this stuff. We just kind of flip through. Um, but again, I just, I love the fact that uh, it just feels so natural and it feels, it make, this is one of the reasons why I love Marvel uh, particularly is because it feels like it's a, it's a natural world. It feels like it's a whole universe that's constantly interconnected. Uh, and stuff like this is why I think Marvel specifically works really well. Yeah, I agree completely. Awesome. So uh, that's that's it for this issue. Um, yeah, next time we will be covering uh, uh, Captain America. Uh, I, I, I sorry, I got the, the the number wrong. It is actually uh, number three four zero. Um, the the number in the uh, it, the number in the, the, the boxes is incorrect. Three four zero is actually the next one that happens right after this. Uh, but yeah, um, if people want to talk to you about Captain America, Chris, where do they find you online? They can find me on Twitter at darker underscore Hugh or you can come into the discord where I talk about comics and I admit that Eddie is right about trench coats. But then I also pitch other seasons that we could do with speechless for other teams. Right. So eventually, you know, the one time that I was right, if you keep throwing stuff at me, eventually I'll be wrong again. And they'll be fine. Balance <laughs> Uh, you can find me online at uh, on Twitter as uh, Pugsteady, P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. You can find my website at Pugsteady.com. Uh, and also, yeah, I'm usually hanging out in the Darker Hue Discord talking about comics or Doctor Who or, hey, I found a new thing online. Um, so, yeah, come hang out with us. We love, we love chatting with people. Um, and let us know what you think of this show. Uh, but with that, we will talk to you all next week. Catch you later. <laughs>